Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jared Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. Today I'm very excited because we're doing our very first book series. We're going to be covering Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again. Such a fantastic book, so much great information. Sadly enough, we're not going to be able to go over every single idea in the book. Otherwise, this will take hours and hours and hours. So what we're going to do is talk about 10 nuggets of wisdom that we can pull from the book. Some of the nuggets of wisdom are kind of compressed together, different ideas that I took and put into one idea. So that's what we're going to end up talking about this week. We'll talk about four ideas today, one idea on part two, and then in part three, we'll be talking about the last five ideas. Part two will be very interesting. It really, that topic really got me going. So I'll be interested to hear your feedback, um, hear your thoughts about it whenever we get to that episode. Nonetheless, I want to start with a quick summary of the book. So if I were to summarize Stolen Focus in three sentences, here's what it would be. Our focus is deteriorating, which is leading to a lower quality of life. The main culprit of our focus attrition are digital devices, followed by poor sleep, lack of nutrition, environmental toxins, and a sedentary lifestyle. If we want to reclaim our focus, we need to start by taking personal responsibility for our actions and at the same time bond together to help enact regulations that prioritize social growth over economic growth. So we're going to take that summary and we're going to start to pick it apart with these 10 ideas. Like I said, we have a lot of good nuggets of wisdom in here that we'll go over. Before we get into the book, I'd like to tell you about something very exciting. Um, so change can be very challenging. And while change is very simple, change is not very easy. That seems contradictory because simple and easy can sound like the same thing, but they are two very different things. Simple simply means that it's not as it's not as complicated as we tend to make it to be. Nutrition, for instance, we tend to complicate very much. Exercise, we tend to do the same because we think that things have to be perfect. We think that this diet is better than that diet. We think that this exercise is better than that one for losing weight and so on. And while there is a modicum of truth to some of those ideas, for the most part, things are much simpler than we make them out to be. However, change is not easy. It is not easy. It is challenging. One of the ways that we make change more challenging than what it is, is by focusing what are called outcome goals. In our new offering, which I'm very excited about, called Good Wolf Academy, it is our online coaching community, which we launched recently, and now I'm launching and telling you about. It is our lifestyle development community where we go in-depth into coaching. We have nutrition lessons, movement lessons, movement practices that we give and put out regularly to help enhance your lifestyle and help move you toward a better version of yourself. One of the things that we have in Good Wolf Academy is the Good Wolf Feed. And within the Good Wolf Feed, 
Our coaches are there to interact. Our coaches are there to answer questions. Whenever you have questions, if you need clarification on one of the nutrition lessons, lessons, for instance, our nutrition coach Trevis is there to give you feedback to help you understand how to make that change possible. One of the things that our member care specialist, Jana, shared, um, I'm sorry, that's a lie. I'm going to back up. This is from our nutrition coach, Trevis. I was going to go over a different post, but I changed my mind. Um, our nutrition coach, Trevis, shared a very interesting and a very thoughtful post, um, and she got some feedback from it from some of our, Good Wolf, our current Good Wolf Academy members. She said, um, what you need to do whenever you're making change is embrace your slip-ups as an opportunity to do better next time and to use them to inch yourself forward on the path to success. There's a couple of good nuggets in there. Embrace your slip-ups and inch yourself forward. Those are very good ideas to think about because we think of when we think of failures, we think that it's bad, but really a failure is just an opportunity to then move forward or figure out a better way to move forward. And then one of our Goodwill Academy members, Rachel, says, this has been one of the one of my top three struggles. I now always look for the why that drove me to fall off the wagon in the first place. So she goes on to say how she used to focus on the fall off itself. I can't believe I did this. I'm so stupid. Maybe she didn't say it in these terms, but I'm so stupid for doing this or uh, I'm a failure because I am not able to overcome this obstacle. Whereas now, as Rachel is saying, now I focus on why did this happen? Why am I confronted with this obstacle? Why am I not able to lose more weight? Why am I not able to push through this plateau? Whatever that thing is. And that's important because in those times, sometimes we need someone to show us that all we're doing is getting in our own head. And what Coach Trevis is doing in the Goodwill feed here is bringing to light the fact that it's something I think we all understand intuitively, but we can't sometimes think about when we're mixed up in our emotions, that we need to embrace our imperfection. None of us are perfect. You and I won't be the perfect humans, I'm sad to say. Um, there never has been a perfect human, and you and I won't be the first. So we need to embrace our imperfections and we need to look to inch ourselves forward toward success. Um, so that's just one of the attributes that you can find here in Good Wolf Academy. Like I said, we have nutrition lessons on a monthly basis that there's already a backlog of 20 or so of them. Movement lessons every week, along with a movement practice Monday through Friday. The movement practice is there to inch you toward better movement because we all need more movement in our lives considering the sedentary lifestyles that we have. Okay. Um, you can get started on Good Wolf Academy for free for two weeks. If you go to thrivology.us slash goodwolfacademy, you can go there. You can get signed up. You'll get two weeks absolutely free. After that, it is only $35 a month. And as long as you're a member of Good Wolf Academy, you will have access to all of these great things. You'll have access to the nutrition lessons, the movement lessons, and our mastery programs, which is a huge, huge, huge bonus our mastery programs can run anywhere from $100 to $250 plus as a standalone. But when you're a member of Good Wolf Academy, you get those for free. Those are there for you to help also enhance your movement and enhance your exercise. So 
Go take a look. Look again, thrivology.us slash Academy, and that will get you two free weeks to get started. Okay. So let's jump back into stolen focus and let's jump back into our nuggets of wisdom. Like I said, we have 10 nuggets of wisdom that we'll go over overall. We're going to go over four today and then we'll move ourselves forward to uh, just one for part two of this, which is, like I said, that one really got me worked up. So um, I'll be interested to hear what y'all think about that. Number one, our first nugget of wisdom. Our first nugget of wisdom from Johan Hari's book, Stolen Focus. Your bouncer needs a rest. Your bouncer needs a rest. So the bouncer is just an analogy that he uses, an analogy for the prefrontal cortex. If you've been around for a while, then we've talked about the prefrontal cortex and you have a general idea of what that is. It's a piece of the brain that sits right here at the fore of the brain, prefrontal, the front of the brain, right behind the forehead. Um, it is in charge of your executive function. It is the thing that makes you do the hard thing when you know it's the right thing to do. So because of some of the things that we do in our regular lives, mostly revolving around digital inputs, our bouncer gets tired or our prefrontal cortex gets tired. When it gets tired, we lose the ability to make conscious decisions. There are three ways, there are three factors that make our bouncer tired. Speed of information, filtering of information, and multi-switching, aka multitasking. So speed of information has to do with a couple of things. First of all, has to do with literally the amount of speed, the amount of speed that is, uh, I'm sorry, the amount of information that is being created, the speed at which information is being created, I guess I should say. So if you think back thousands of years, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, information started by being painted on walls, probably. Then eventually someone grabbed a, hammer and a chisel and started to chisel information into stone. And then eventually someone grabbed a, I don't a stick and some berry juice and started to write on either a stone or a, a, a scroll. And then that became a little more refined. And then that became books, but books were handwritten and hand copied. And then they were hand printed and then they were automatically printed. And then books became CDs and tapes and then CDs and tapes became digital. So the more, the further down that continuum we went, the faster uh, information was created. The more information is created, the more we feel like we need to keep up with information and the quicker other information gets lost. There was an interesting study that Johan references in the book done by a professor, a professor named Soon Lehman of Technology University of Denmark. In the year 2013, topics on Twitter lasted about 17.6 hours. In the year 2016, they lasted about 11.9 11 hours. So I can imagine that by this point in 2023, they last even shorter than that. But that is just the speed at which information flows into a system and out of a system now that there are so many people and so much, there's so much information being pushed into the system that it is 
quickly being flown out of the system. I'm sorry, my hand probably went out of the shot there. John was looking at looking at the camera going, don't do that chair. Um, I'm going to stop doing that so I don't get in trouble. At any rate, the speed of information. We feel like we need to keep up. Information is coming and going faster and faster. And because of that, our bouncer is not able to keep up. Also, we have to filter information. So our eyes are bombarded with tens of thousands of bits of information throughout a day, probably much more than that at this point, lots and lots and lots of bits of information and information is not just like texts on a screen or on a book. Information is you driving down the highway and all of the billboards that are going by and all the cars that are going by, like your mind has to process all of that. Um, so whenever we spend a lot of time having to filter information on a screen, which we do very quickly, by the way, whenever we spend a lot of time doing that, our bouncer gets tired. Our prefrontal cortex gets tired. It becomes exhausted and it's not able to make us do the hard thing when we know it's the right thing to do. That takes energy. And so because it takes energy, that depletes our willpower, basically, is what's happening. So all this information filtering that we're doing because we're scrolling so often, even though we may not consciously feel like we're having to filter it, we're still having to filter it and it's still taking energy, which is depleting our willpower. Okay. Um, the last thing in this, in the three factors that we're talking about is multi-switching, which is commonly known as multitasking. Multitasking is one of the biggest societal lies that we're told. Humans are not multitaskers. They are monotaskers. They can do one task at a time. Um, women are a little better than men at this. Sorry, fellas, but um, women can kind of multitask a little better. But generally speaking, humans are monotaskers. We think we can multitask just because we switch from this thing to that thing and that thing to this thing and this thing to that thing. And technically, you are switching between multiple tasks. That is true. What you're not doing is being efficient or productive. You're actually reducing your efficiency and productivity by doing that. There's a couple ways that that happens. There are three ways that multitasking affects our abilities. Number one is by the switch cost effect. Number two is the screw up effect. And number three is the creativity drain effect. So the switch cost effect tells us that Switching tasks costs time and energy. We think we're saving time because we're going from task to task, but just the switching of the task is taking time itself, but it also takes time for you to go back to your original task and then get reoriented to where you were. Especially if you're doing something that's relatively important, there's a statistic in a book I'm currently reading that and when you switch back to a, an important task or something that takes more brain power, if you switch away from it and then switch back to it, it could take you up to 23 minutes to get back into the groove of that task. Up to 23 minutes. I'd say that's a lot of time wasted. So um, task switching takes time. It also takes energy. Again, we're depleting our prefrontal cortex energy by going from this task over to this task and then back to your first task. Because that takes, your mind has to refocus on that original task. It is taking energy to do that. So that's the switch cost effect. The switch, uh, I'm sorry, the screw up effect 
tells us that our likelihood of error increases every time we switch. So a good example of this is if you've ever texted the wrong person back on accident. Maybe you were looking at your looking at Facebook and then you switched over to your text and you text a person, you go back to Facebook, you go back to your text to text the person back and you accidentally text the wrong person. Or if you're on your laptop over here and you jump over to your phone to grab and you know start to text over here and you accidentally text the wrong person. That's an error. That's an error that happens because you're multitasking or you think you're multitasking. You're switching back and forth, but yet that, that switching back and forth is increasing the likelihood of you having an error. Uh, the last thing is creativity drain effect, which tells us that because when we're task switching or multitasking, like we like to call it, when we're multitasking, we're actually doing very superficial thinking. We're not ever going in depth into the thing that we're doing because again, going in depth takes time takes time to sit and think about something. It doesn't take 60 seconds or 30 like a text set takes. It takes time to think deeply about something. So creativity does usually, it can, it can, don't be to be sure, but it doesn't usually happen with superficial thinking and task switching back and forth. Creativity can, it takes depth of thinking in order to do that. Problem solving takes depth of thinking in order to problem solve. So those things don't happen as well when we're multitasking so often. Okay. So those are the three factors or the, the three ways that, um, our focus is degraded by multitasking. Okay. Switch cost effect, screw up effect, excuse me, and creativity drain effect. And that is our idea. Number one, your bouncer needs a rest your bouncer again being your free prefrontal cortex it wants to be able to think deeply and in order to do that we need to stop taking in so much input which leads us to big idea number two big idea number two let there be less light let there be less light so the correlation between light and our regular living, our body's ability to process, our body's ability to follow a regular rhythm is very, very tightly correlated. Tens and hundreds of thousands of years ago, um, human beings followed the path of the sun. Not literally walked the path of the sun, but they, their bodies would rise with the rising of the sun and fall with the falling of the sun. Now we have overhead lights. We have lights, <laughs> camera lights staring at us. Maybe y'all don't have them. Um, and we have this thing that we carry around in our pockets that is also a very bright light that we constantly shine in our eyes. So our brains and our bodies don't know when it's time to go to bed. It doesn't know when it's time to fall asleep. And because of that, our sleep is becoming more and more, uh, more and more inefficient, more and more, less sleep, less sleep quality, less, much more inefficient. And that lack of efficiency of sleep or that lack of quality of sleep 
is causing metabolic waste buildup in the brain. When you fall asleep and you sleep at a regular interval and you get good deep sleep and good REM sleep, good combination of the two, then your brain will clean itself out of this metabolic waste. If you don't sleep properly and you don't sleep deeply or for a long enough period of time, then I guess I should say and for a long enough period of time, then your brain does not clear out this metabolic waste. And when your brain does not clear out this metabolic waste, then you have a hard time focusing. So this really comes into play when we start to talk about the circadian rhythm. You've probably heard of the concept, not concept, it is a thing. We've probably heard of the circadian rhythm. It's literally your body's natural flow of following the rise and fall of the sun. A day cycle. 10,000 years ago, our ancestors needed a burst of energy later in the day to start to get things done so that they could pack up and get themselves to safety. Because at night, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, would come out and our ancestors would need to be in a place where hopefully lions and tigers and bears weren't, so they had a higher likelihood of living to the next day. In the book, Johan refers to this as the surge of waking drive. The surge of waking drive. So generally speaking, this surge would happen between maybe 3 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd get a big surge of energy, and that would tell us that we need to get up and we need to start packing up this fire and we need to start you know, getting ourselves ready so that we can get into shelter and we can be safe. That energy came, that surge came because of the path of the sun, because of where the path was starting to turn down and starting to uh, fall, if you will. Now, if we look at our phones or we look at a TV screen or we look at a laptop or we have overhead lights on all night, our surge of waking drive doesn't come until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, which is a problem if we're trying to go to bed around that time. So if we're viewing lights late into the night, then we may get a surge of energy if you've ever had trouble regularly. If, if you regularly have trouble going to bed later at night, this is what's happening. You get this regular surge of energy late in the night because that's when your body thinks that it needs to start getting prepared to go get into safety, which that usually should come around 3 to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So what we need to do is start to shut our phones down a couple of hours at least two hours before bed, preferably having no overhead lights or having any screen close to the eyes within, I'll say, five to eight feet of the eyes. A TV screen seems to be okay as long as you're probably about 20 feet or so away from it, um, unless you have one of those gargantuan TV screens, in which, which case you might want to be 100 feet away from it. Um, but nonetheless, TV screens seem to be okay, uh, but phones right next to the eyes right before bed can be challenging and can lead to this issue, this metabolic waste buildup, which leads to less focus, which leads to less creativity, and so on and so forth. So um, that is let there be less light. Let there be less light. Remember, we need good quality sleep. That cannot be overstated. And one of the things that is definitely deteriorating that is the incessant light that we have in our lives. Hey guys, I want to take a second to tell you about our online lifestyle development program, Good Wolf Academy. 
If you're looking to level up your health and fitness in any way, Good Wolf Academy is where it's at. We all need help in our nutrition. One of the big aspects of Good Wolf Academy are our monthly nutrition lessons. These are 15 to 20 minute lessons done by our nutrition coach, Trevis. She goes over some topics to help clarify some things so that you don't feel as confused about what's going on in nutrition world. Also, you get a weekly movement lesson from Coach Sharon where she's teaching you the importance of movement and some basic ways to improve your movement throughout the day so that you can get yourself feeling better. This is also supported by a movement practice Monday through Fridays. Those movement practices are there to nudge you to get up off the couch and get yourself moving because sedentary living is killing us and we need to move more. You also get two optimized recipes to help enhance your diet, enhance your nutrition, make those healthy things taste more tasteful because we all feel like healthy needs to be bland. That's not true. Healthy things can be very tasteful and these optimized recipes are there to help you. Also, we have mastery programs that are included. They are included in your Good Wolf Academy membership. This is not to be understated because these mastery programs can range anywhere from $100 to over $250 as a standalone program, but they are included as long as you are a member of Good Wolf Academy. Finally, do not overlook the importance of surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And the Good Wolf community is there to support you in the Good Wolf feed. Whenever you have any issues or you feel like you need to create a bond, put yourself, put a post out into the Good Wolf feed and you'll get a lot of good feedback. Also, the coaches are there to ask or answer any of the questions that you have whenever you need any clarification. So don't wait any longer. You can try Good Wolf Academy absolutely free for two weeks, for two weeks. If you go to thriveology.us slash Good Wolf Academy, you can get started absolutely free, two weeks, and it is only $35 a month after that. Go get started today, and I look forward to seeing you in the academy. So that brings us to nugget of wisdom number three. Nugget of wisdom number three is see the message through the medium. See the message through the medium. So a medium of content is how we input, intake the content. A medium can be a book, a medium can be a phone, a medium can be the TV, a medium can be your laptop, a medium can be a piece of paper, it can be a lot of things, but the medium is the way that the message is delivered. In the 1960s, a Canadian professor named Marshall McLehan was noticing a change in how people took in information. Around this time is when TVs were becoming popularized and getting into homes. And he noticed that TV was causing people to view things differently and to take in information differently, which is when he came up or said the statement, the medium is the message. The medium is the message. So what does that mean? Well, when we in, when we take in information from different mediums, we view it differently. If I sit and read a book, I have to think deeply about what's going on. Or maybe I don't have to think deeply about it, but I have to get into the book. I have to flow into the book. I have to be with it for an amount of time. I can't, it can't just be 30 seconds or 60 seconds. I have to be with the book for minutes, sometimes tens, tens and twenties of minutes. I don't know if that makes any sense, but whatever. Um, 
<laughs> so we have to be with the book for a while. So our connection to the information from the book is going to be maybe a little deeper. Whereas if I view things on a screen, I don't need to be with the information on the screen for very long. As a matter of fact, probably most of the information we view on our screens, I don't know. Jonna, how long is a video on TikTok? Can you tell me? 15 seconds to three minutes. Oh, I'm surprised they're even three minutes long. Oh, that's new? Oh, well, there we go. So when it was becoming popularized, it was probably, what, 15 seconds to just 15 seconds? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So TikTok became popularized with 15 to 30 second videos. So I imagine tweets take 15 to 30 seconds to read. I imagine most people look at Facebook posts for about 15 to 30 seconds. Instagram posts for about the same amount of time. All of these companies know exactly how long that you look at a post. So I imagine it's probably about the same amount of time for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. And now somehow TikTok is putting long stories on their, on their platform with three minute long videos. <laughs> um, at any rate, sorry. So you don't, with a 15 second with reading a blurb on Twitter for 15 seconds, you don't have to have any sort of deep thought about that. You read it and then you move on to the next one and then you read it and move on to the next one. Um, with a TV, it's the same sort of idea. You can just flip through channels. You can just sit passively. You don't really have to think a whole lot in order to be with the TV. You just let the information come at you. You don't have to actively take it in where when you're reading, you have to actively take it in. You have to be with the you have to be with the book or you have to be with the article that you're reading with the TV. You don't have to be with it. It's just there. You can just like be passively taking it in. So you take in information differently from those different mediums. When it comes to reading from a book, you tend not a book. I'm sorry. When it comes to reading from your phone, we tend to read from our phones. If it's the same book, like if you're reading stolen focus on your phone versus the book itself, you tend to read more manically in a skipping side to side and up and down kind of fashion than you do in a book. In a book, it's very, you're trained to read a book from left to right and then top to bottom. With your phone, you're trained to scroll through your phone. So if you try to read a book on your phone, you're going to utilize it in the way that you normally use your phone, not the way that you would normally use a book. Sadly, that also translates to then book reading. So since most of us spend, I think there's a statistic in here somewhere. I don't see it on my notes, but I'm pretty sure it's around four hours a day on our phones, which is insane. Um, and I think it was like 17 minutes a day reading a book on average where most people don't read one book a year or something like that. At any rate, if we spend four hours a day on our phones and 17 minutes a day reading a book, then we're going to build more habit on reading from the phone than from the book. So when we do go read the book, we're going to pick it up and we're going to read it like it's a phone. We're going to skip from side to side. We're going to have a hard time focusing. We're going to not be able to pay attention. We're going to get bored of the book and we're going to think it's the book's fault when in fact it is the habit that we're building from reading from the phone. So it's worth remembering that whatever you're utilizing to take in content, it is changing the way that you're taking the content in. 
If you want deeper content, it makes more sense to read from something that is hard covered. <laughs> Sorry, if you heard that loud bang, that was my hand punching the book. Um, I'm not mad at the book. Um, but you need something, generally speaking, that is you can hold that is not behind a screen. It's just going to help you take in the information better, generally speaking. If you're very purposeful about how you read from your phone or from a laptop or from a tablet, you can be more purposeful with it, true. But nonetheless, you're still going to have the habit of how you generally use that device. So it's going to impact the way that you take in that information, okay? So that is see the message through the medium. Which brings us to our last idea for today, which is mind wandering equals mind winning. Mind wandering equals mind winning. So we spend lots of time taking in inputs throughout the day, whether we're at work and we have to, you know, we, we have to do our work or, you know, in between at breaks at work, we're picking up our phones to, you know, scroll through Facebook for a second. At lunch at work, we're picking up our phones to scroll through Facebook. When we get home, we sit down and we watch TV and we input information from the TV. Uh, many of us spend mm, vast majority of our day taking in information and not, not taking in information, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, that gives, does not give our time, our minds time to think. Our minds need time to process information. Sure, when you sleep, you technically still process information. You take what you've done throughout the day, you process it, and you either use it or throw it away. The problem is when you sleep, your mind recognizes information that's just useless. And since most of the stuff we do on our phones is superficial, our mind sees it as useless and doesn't keep it. So... Um, or doesn't coagulate it into other ideas and problem-solving ideas. So we need more time to let our minds rest. And in that resting time, our minds are then allowed to take ideas and think about them and take them and put them together and cross-link ideas and come up with alternatives to ideas and come up with obstacle or ways to overcome obstacles and problem solving and all of that good stuff. Um, essentially, we just need time to let our minds wander. There are three benefits that Johan Hari shares to mind wandering. Number one is making sense of the world. When we are constantly taking in information, we are just taking in the world. We're not thinking it through. We're not coming up with, we're not making it our own. We're not... Um, developing it in our own way. We're just taking it in from somebody else. If you're scrolling through Facebook or you're scrolling through Twitter, you're just taking in a bunch of information from other people, a bunch of ideas or a bunch of pictures or a bunch of whatever from other people. Your mind needs time, resting time, no input time to process information, to make sense of information so that you can have your own ideas about things instead of you having to read other people's ideas and then just blurt back other people's ideas whenever you're talking about those things. 
Your mind needs time, needs time to do that. So making sense of the world is one of the benefits of mind wandering. Making connections between ideas is another, a very, very important uh, aspect to mind wandering. Like I said, when we are confronted with obstacles, when we're confronted with obstacles, many of us have a hard time figuring out how to get over the obstacle. Part of the reason we have a hard time is because maybe our minds don't have enough rest time to be able to even think about different ways to do that. All we have in our mind is just this one idea, the keto diet, the keto diet. That's how I need to lose weight, the keto diet. Okay, like there are thousands of different ways for you to combine nutrition ideas to overcome an obstacle. The keto diet is not the only one. But without any rest, without giving your mind time to rest and wonder, your mind can't connect different ideas. It doesn't have time to problem solve. It doesn't have time to coagulate and put things together so that you can overcome those obstacles. Um, and then finally, mental time travel is another benefit that you get from mind wandering. Your mind regularly does this regularly when it, when it, especially when it has time to wander, um, whenever you're going to make a decision or whenever you're going to go into, uh, an experience, say with a person, you're maybe you're getting, getting ready to talk about something serious with somebody. And it's a conversation that you've had in the past. Your mind will think about what has happened in the past to predict what's going to happen in the future. In other words, it will wander to the past or it will travel to the past to then travel to the future. Um, whenever you give your mind time to rest or wander, it has more time to do that, to think about the past, to, never, to be able to then predict or you know, come up with ideas about the future. That's especially important when you're trying to problem solve or plan or overcome obstacles or um, you know, come up with the next goal that you want to try to achieve. So mind wandering cannot be understated. How many times do you walk? I, I don't know how many people go to the mall anymore, but if you go to the mall and you see somebody on a bench, you most likely see them with a phone in their hand. If you go to a restaurant and you see two people sitting and they're not eating, you most likely see them sitting with a phone in their hand. If you go to whatever other thing you go to. You go to a doctor's office and everyone's sitting in the doctor's office. They're not sitting there staring at each other or even conversing. They're sitting there with a phone in their hand. So again, those are all opportunities to just let your mind be, let your mind rest and let your mind think or just, just be part of the world instead of constantly taking in input. All right, those are our four big ideas. To review number one, let, I'm sorry, your bouncer needs a rest, your bouncer being your prefrontal cortex. Um, reduce the information that you're taking in so that you don't have to filter in all the information, reduce your multitasking. Also, don't feel like you need to keep up with all the information that's out there because, man, is there a lot of it out there. Number two, let there be less light. We need less light in the last part of our day or at least less artificial light the last part of our day so that we can fall asleep deeply and restfully. 
Number three, see the message through the medium. Remember that whatever medium you're using to take in content, it will affect the way that you take it in. You may not understand it as well if you're taking it in through a phone versus through a regular, through a book. And then lastly, mind wandering equals mind winning. Give your mind time to rest for goodness sake. Give your mind time to rest so that it can think about things. All right, if you'd like the notes for this book, you can find them at thriveology.us backslash goodwoofbooks. You can go there and download these exact notes that I'm using, not my scribbly handwritten stuff because, well, you wouldn't be able to read it anyway. Um, so be thankful you don't have to try to do that. But nonetheless, if you want the notes, thriveology.us slash goodwoofbooks. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I look forward to the next the uh, the next episode where we talk about manipulation as magic. So look forward to that one. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.